You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode six of Processed. We've missed one episode because of the NFL draft, and it seems like it's been, I don't know, like seven months. Yeah, no, it feels like it's been forever. Like you got on right before the call. It's, it's been a while. These days are already blending together, but... Let's get back to it, man. Let's get back to it. Absolutely. I think I need this Sixers conversation because the Eagles drove me nuts over the weekend. I don't know if you saw my reactions all over the place, but Jalen Hurts in the second round. D-Ray, I don't know how they could even come up with that type of decision. You know I'm always going to have a counter-argument. It was, listen, if anybody knows the importance of a backup quarterback, it's us. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. There's too much value on the board, D-Ray, to take him at 53. Anyway, I don't want to do this because I'll lose my damn mind. But think about this. Jackie McMullen puts out a report on ESPN, and it talks about Ben Simmons and his back, and it dove deeper into the three-point shooting. Could you imagine if there was no NFL draft going on, how much more conversation that this would have generated? Yeah, no, it would have been a problem. And we got to get into that. That definitely would have been a problem, but... The draft, I... let's talk, let's talk six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk six. <laughs> we can do that. Before we dive into the Ben Simmons stuff, there is some NBA news in terms of the coronavirus, and it says that on May 1st, the NBA is opening up practice facilities in certain places where stay-at-home orders were eased up. What do you think about that? I think that's tricky. I think that's tricky. You know, it's about an unfair advantage. You know, you think of a team like Houston down in Texas where, like, it's supposed to be like the poster child of this thing easing up almost to a point where they're just let out completely. They have an unfair advantage against states that don't. So that's that's, that's a dicey situation. But if it means the NBA can come back, you know what I mean? It's, we'll see. Yeah, the, the way they worded it, it wasn't as if this means the NBA is ready to start rocking and rolling. As you stated, one place, oh, they can do it. The other places, they can't. So it's not like all of a sudden, here comes the NBA back in action. Yeah. They did They did make it clear, though, it's not as if, okay, well, all these players can just go to this practice facility and start boxing people out and posting up everyone and make it seem like it's all ready to go again. It's just a way that, hey, here's the practice facility. You can have a couple people in there shooting. So I do agree it is somewhat of a disadvantage for some teams, but is this going to be the difference in a squad winning a championship or not if they do finish out the season? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's it, you have that asterisk next to it. Number one, if anybody wins at this point, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the year the corona hit. Just like the lockout year. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, that lockout year is it's it's a little funny. That's why people kind of blame the uh that championship that the Mavericks got. But it's it just it, it causes four asterisks. And I, that to me is like I said, it's a it's a tricky situation. It definitely is, but it's weird also to think we are starting to ease up a bit. Maybe it's because of the area we are living in. It, it makes it seem harder to realize that this is happening. I don't know. To me, it seems a little premature to start opening things back up. But once again, maybe that's just because we have this area bias, if you will. And right now in New York, New Jersey, it's Philadelphia, of course, is in the mix. It's still a little hectic. Everybody's dealing with it in their own way. But as far as the teams go, I, I would hate for – let's say Houston does go on to win. I mean, you know, let's let's call it what it is. Y'all but see, got, here's got the, the thing. Now, I, I get it, but 
it's not as if five guys are out there playing. Five. It's not five on five ball and they have their head coach and he's blowing the whistle and they're going all crazy. It would be guys shooting in the gym. I, I get where you're coming from, but I don't know. If, if they get three, four months of this and then they start the season up in four months from now while they had four months in the gym, okay, I can see the argument, but I don't know if that's the case. And a lot of these guys are still putting up shots somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys are definitely still working out. You hear about guys still working out with their one-on-one trainers. At the end of the day, it says social distancing. You can't have groups more than 10. There are definitely guys still in the gym. You see LeBron puts up something. Yeah, I know that's your guy. He puts up something yesterday <laughs> of him uh, working out. You know, so guys are definitely staying in shape because they don't know what's going to happen. But I just – I'm always going back to the same point. At the end of the year, if that team in that state that eased up earlier wins – there's that. I just don't like the idea that there's an argument that can be made for they got in the gym before us. That's fair. I, I guess to me, it depends how long these teams and these cities were open and those practice facilities were open compared to other yeah. squads around the league. So, yeah, like a week doesn't matter. Right, exactly. But I doubt it's going to be a week. So you're right. If they're going to open things up May 1st and we're not thinking about opening up the NBA season until July or August, well, I I guess the argument can be made at that point. Only time will tell. (laughs) So Ben Simmons, I I always think to myself too about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and this Sixers team. If you want to talk Sixers basketball, you can just say the name Ben Simmons and there is a whole entire four-hour radio show. There's a whole entire podcast, whatever you want. All you got to do is bring up the name Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and you can talk 76ers basketball. It's crazy. (laughs) I love it. It's fuel to any fire, but he's such an intricate piece of this team. We we got to discuss it, man. We got to discuss it. Some people are disgusted by him. Some people are infatuated by him. But you you, you got to bring him up in conversation because he's he could very well be the piece. You know what I mean? He could very well be the piece or or that thing that's, you know, that has to get out of here. So I, I get it, but I, I ain't gonna lie. In our line of work, I love it. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. In, in this business, it's fantastic. But is it this exactly. way in all cities? We mentioned Houston. Could you just bring up the name James Harden and then spit four hours of radio content out there? Is it? Th- I, I feel like for Ben Simmons, because of the non-shooting and because of just some things that follow him, the Kardashians and whatnot, there's just so much more noise surrounding him. He's light-skinned. He's light-skinned. That's what it is. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what that means. What does no, that no, mean? I don't know what that means. What does no, that no, mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> that look you gave me. Did, but did my face look funny yeah, to you? I, just didn't know, I, don't, I, like, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I like said it and stopped. Like. <laughs> but no, I, I, I completely get why it's a thing. I will say this, though. If someone is defensive-minded like me and you, James Harden is a problem. James Harden is a problem. So I've been I've been looking at some stuff that uh, Kobe was saying, and you know everybody would ask him towards the end of his career and their retirement. You know who do you think is the the next you? And he would never bring up one player. He would always break it down to three people. He would always break up. He always bring up uh, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, as if like his skill set is split up between them. But he straight up said, and this is pre Russell Westbrook joining the Rockets. James Harden, like that style of play, is not going to win championships. So if I'm in Houston. If you're in Houston, me and you, you know, we're looking at the, a defensive-minded team. Hell yeah, I got a problem with James Harden. And I still take Ben over James. I'm just saying, but he's a that man is a walking 40 piece. You can't <laughs> kind of hard to argue with that if that's at the helm of your uh your franchise. 
Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It's funny you talk about that 40-piece. I remember last year was like a random Tuesday night, and the Rockets are playing the Magic, and his over-under was set at 39-and-a-half. And I told myself it was a lock. So yeah. I bet it, and I won. But imagine 39-and-a-half being a lock on a certain night. Hey, it's a bad man. It's a bad man. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of these quotes because there's mm-hmm. a lot of quotes, and quotes are actually driving this podcast the last few episodes, and I'm not mad about it, but some of these quotes are literally ridiculous, and I guess we'll we'll start with this one. He talks Ben Simmons talks about his weakness, and his biggest weakness is having someone making him accountable. He said that's been tough on him. It takes time. He needs someone to make him accountable. Now, the the city of Philadelphia and the Brett Brown haters will obviously instantly go to Brett Brown as the problem. Where I see this as, you are a professional athlete. And you just mentioned Kobe Bryant. Do you think that he was waiting on his head coach to make him feel that he needs to be accountable? And we talk about the greatness in players. And is is Ben Simmons greatness? That's what we want him to be. So that is why I will compare him to those players. If he's not going to have that mentality to be great and to be greatness, then we're screwed to begin with. Yeah, man. I, I, when I saw that, I was just that, that is what I'm doing right now. He's kind of scratch your forehead. And I, I love Ben Simmons at the end of the day, a 6'10 point guard. I've said it time and time again on here. He does everything else. But the idea that he hasn't been held accountable for his shot playing in a city like Philadelphia, the Lord knows if we got a problem with you, we're going to say it. You're not held accountable. That just, like you said, it reflects bad on Brett, but it also reflects bad on the city. Bro, you know we want you to shoot. You know people want you to shoot. And then he got into it about the I want to get to 30% instead of four. I want to I could shoot now and it'd be 30%, but I want to get to a point where I'm 40%. Bro, if you don't shoot, you ain't gonna get nowhere. You know what I mean? You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. It's it's hard to defend him on that one. I agree completely. Yeah, the, the three quote with the 30%, 40% was with threes, it's never been like that. I've got to make it a point of emphasis. I could be one of those guys shooting 30% right now, but I'd rather be one of those guys shooting 40 Are you kidding me? Ben Simmons right now shooting 30% at three is significantly different than the two that he made. Like right now, it's technically, well, I guess it's not 100% because he heaves balls up at certain points of the game. But legitimate three-point shooting, he's shooting 100% right now. That's skewed. We know that. How can he think that shooting 30% isn't better than what he's giving us now? Yeah, I, I'm not at his head, and I, I don't, I don't want to judge him too much. But that's that's some ass backwards thinking right there. That just doesn't. At the end of the day, him even being willing, I seen a, a graphic a couple of years back, and it had Giannis and it had Ben next to each other, and it was like the only difference. And it had Giannis shooting, but they were bricks. And the only difference was he was willing to shoot them. Him willing to take those shots changes the offense, let alone making them. Obviously, if he's missing, if he's taking ten a night and only making one, then it's alright. That's an issue. But him even willing to take a shot to pump fake out there, that completely changes the game. So, hell yeah, 30% is always better than zero or the, the 100 that he has. That's 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 ass backwards, bro. It really is. It's, it's so hard to even process somebody saying that, especially a basketball player who isn't shooting threes to think, eh, you know what, 30% isn't even worth it to even do it. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, that's... 
And teams will back off of them still. One of the coaches, and it was people around the league in this article, that's how they they worded it, people around the league said, even if Ben Simmons was to start shooting, they would do the same thing that they do on Giannis. Dare him to do it. Tempt him to do it. But that's fine with me. I appreciate everything Giannis does. He he will airball two threes in a row, and the next possession, he will walk up to the three-point line in rhythm and take another one. I, I don't care if Ben does that. That's at least growth. He's fearless. He's fearless. And the, the part about three-pointers that nobody speaks about, especially with a team as tall and as athletic as the Sixers is, if Ben's taking those threes, and his teammates know he's taking those threes. If he miss, we're all in position to go get an offense rebound. That's when an Al Horford or somebody like that comes to great use. You know what I mean? You get the defense scrambling. If that ball is getting kicked around the horn and he gets it in the corner, yeah, you miss one. All right, that's a long, yeah, long shot equal a long rebound. That jumps out to the three-point line that Josh Richardson, somebody, you know, grabs that or a Joe B grabs that. That's that's offense. That helps. Obviously, like I said, one for ten, hell no, but that helps. Definitely. Now, we need to be clear. We are both Ben Simmons supporters, but in this, we are probably going to rip him because he has a big problem in his game. Now, he has so many greatness in his, he has so much greatness in his game as well that we can't throw away in the trash, but there is one glaring hole, and, and to hear some of the quotes in this, it, it blows my mind. Now, it does leave some optimism, though, as if it's nice to know that he understands this. It's nice to know that he's putting a lot of emphasis on this. And even as much as he doesn't shoot, it's clear to the eye when he is shooting these threes, it's so much more comfortable than anything we've seen earlier in his career. Whether it's pregame or even if it was just those two threes in the regular season, he is way smoother in the jump shot and there's, there is more confidence in it than ever before. Yeah, no, I I can't. That's you. You said that better than anybody could have. Just looking at it, just watching throughout the years, like okay, you're getting more comfortable with it. And obviously, we all hope that we wake up the day and he just comes out and says effort and starts shooting because he's been working on it forever. But it generally doesn't happen like that. You got to take him in the game. You got to get comfortable. Any player will tell you you can practice in the gym all you want. If you never try in the game and probably fail at it a couple of times and build that confidence up, you're not going to be a real threat down the line. You know what I mean? Like everybody's. Everybody has his back. If he takes the shot, like I said, it creates offensive rebounding opportunities. Lord knows we can get back in transition. You have a tall enough, uh, you know, team to to offensive rebound and get in there and make things happen. But not taking it for the sake of wanting to be perfect. Or I don't want a hundred million because I want a billion. Well, you kind of got to get to a hundred million first. You know what I mean? That's just. That's that's weird. That's a good way to put it, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he wants that billion, but you, you got to work your way up to that. It doesn't just yeah. you don't go from zero to a hundred. You got to find yeah. a way to to somewhat start implementing it in your game, and you eventually get there. I, I guess the way the fans react after the one three, it, it seems like a circus show, sort of like when Fultz got in the game. It's you're cheering, you're clapping, and it's sort of like <laughs> mocking him, and maybe yeah. that hits him emotionally in a certain way. But what are we supposed to do? He knocks down a three in a game. It's been so damn long. Our natural reaction is to go absolutely nuts because you never do it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. But like we said, we nodded his head. Hopefully he figures it out. Hopefully this is all just a joke and he comes out and, and, and shoots his four. Well, guess what? I'm not being fooled again because there were like <laughs> two or three summers where I got out of my seat 
every single oh. night because I saw videos on social media and he was playing five on five ball just hitting mid-range jimmies off the dribble and I'm like this is unreal I can't wait for this guy to do it in a game in real life and then here comes the NBA season and I get nothing so I will never ever 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 fall for that garbage again I won't do it it's like that mellow uh gift where he steps on the floor, he goes to shoot, and he stops and throws the ball back. Oh, I'm just playing. Like, come on, we can't, we can't keep having that happen, man. And guess what? You know what? I say this now, and I'm going to see a clip, and I'm going to start to get the juices flowing, but then I'm going to have to have a reminder, right? It's kind of like we're, we're going to go here. You see a good-looking woman, right? And you think to yourself, you think, you think with something else instead of your head, right? And you got to tell yourself, come on, bros. You got to think with your head. You got to think with the right head. That's how this is going to have to work, right? Exactly, something like that. Exactly. <laughs> think with your head and not your head. Yeah. that is incredible all right so we're talking about the accountability thing his his high school coach chimed in and mentioned how he would sit him he would sit him that's how he would get it out of Ben Simmons he would sit him and Brett Brown talked about how he thought about it it was something that came into his mind now I'm looking for the quote here there's five billion different ones so I need to look for the one with Brett in front of me here. Um, I couldn't believe it, honestly. When I saw it, I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Oh, here you go. I got it right here. I told Ben, if you aren't willing to shoot, then do I just bench you? Because I can do that. We could have gone that route or continue to coach him as it relates to spacing. We worked on the ability to use it as a choice to shoot the three, catch and go, get in the paint, or find someone else. So he was going to Ben Simmons and having the conversation. Dude, I could bench you if you were not going to do it. In the NBA, you can't be benching Ben Simmons. If if he started benching Ben Simmons, the team would lose games. And then those same people that want Brett Brown to sit Ben Simmons would then use that against him and say, well, you're losing basketball games. Which one is it? In this league, we just watched this team play without Ben for a, a decent amount of time with that back injury. The entire squad looked out of sync and out of sorts. Not that they look perfect with him in there either. I'm going to be clear on that. But it is a big difference when he's not in the game. Yeah. that And at the end of the day, like you said, as a Brett Brown, you, you can't sit up Ben Simmons for several reasons. And one of them being, y'all just gave him how much money? You know what I mean? You can't justify sitting that guy. These owners, they don't pay him that much money because they like Ben Simmons. They don't pay him that much money because he's winning a ton of games. They pay him that much money because, number one, they think he has potential to down the line win a championship. And number two, you fill seats. That money you're getting in the NBA is because you fill seats. You know what I mean? You sell jerseys. To have that guy not step on the floor, that's a problem. And that's what kind of sucks. We talked about it before, Brett Brown kind of being stuck in this this no-win kind of form, what do y'all want me to do? If I sit him, like you said, y'all use that against me. If he's out there, why don't you hold him accountable? It's just... I was shocked, though, to hear that Brett even had that conversation with him, and and maybe that was a, a softer way to do it. Instead of even having that conversation, it would just be to do it. Now, to be fair, I, I think if, if there was one time, because Brett doesn't do this, right? So would there be a lot of power in not having that conversation with Ben Simmons and just doing it for one game and being like, whoa, did he just do that to me? You know, even if it was one game, just one time in the regular season, would there be power if he did that as if it was a shock factor? As, did, did Brett just do that because I'm not shooting? But here's the thing. If, if he goes out the next game and says, screw you, Brett, I'm not doing this or whatever, 
what did that do? At the end of the day, what did that do? Yeah, you just wasted a game of him not playing. You right, and I mean? you and can't you sit him. Tw- yeah, and you can't sit him twenty games until he does it. Yeah, the, the coaches in the NBA, outside of you know Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, and even them, if things got chippy enough, you would see their organizations kind of put them in a position where it's like you're, you're really you really are fighting with one hand tied behind your back. You know what I mean? And and it sucks because so much falls on them, but so much doesn't. You know what I mean? So much falls on them, but so much is out of their control. And telling a grown-ass man to shoot when an entire organization, an entire uh, game is saying they want him to shoot, that's... In the NBA. Exactly. In the NBA. It's so easy for this high school coach to say, sit him. Yeah, because in high school, you can do that, and you have power as a head coach. These players look up to you different than when you're on the sidelines making 2% of what Ben Simmons is making. You know, I, I can't stand that. And, I, and I've talked about this before, the whole AAU thing. Well, look, look what this AAU coach did with this player. And look what this college coach did with this player. Stop. That's the point we're trying to make. Professional athletes, it's a totally different vibe. These players, right or wrong, it's not the same level of respect with these coaches. And, and like I said, that's right or wrong. I mean, I'm not here to tell you which one it is. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, man, it's different. Like, imagine if, you know, Phil Jackson's like, listen, Shaq, you got to get your, your free throw percentage up, and if you don't, we sit in you. What? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, hold up, so you're going to give up everything else? That just doesn't make sense. You really are. You're fighting with one hand tied behind your back. And shout out for Brett for dealing with it, and you know, and being a, a, a good sport about it and kind of just – He's, he's a champ, man. He takes that shit on the chin. You know what I mean? I'd have been like, listen, I told him shoot. <laughs> How about y'all tell him shoot? Y'all want to coach this team? That's y'all problem. But I told him shoot. He knows he has to shoot. It's no secret in our locker room. What do you want me to do? I agree. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he's at the point of breaking. It seems as if being around a little bit and being the media member for 97.3 at the Sixers games, I get to see him talk pregame, postgame and whatnot and hearing him get asked all these questions by the media members. I, I don't know what it was like two, three years ago because I wasn't there as much as I am now. But you can tell that there is, I'm not going to go disconnect or hatred, but there's some headbutting involved with the way Brett Brown speaks to the media when questions are asked about Ben Simmons or not. And I just feel maybe, you know, when you when you take so much in for so long, eventually you just burst and eventually you just, you know, it all comes out of you. I can only imagine how much is stored up in Brett Brown. But at the same time, that's part of being a professional as a coach as well. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to just go forward, Jackie Moon. Just, just leave it. Just snap. <laughs> so he just goes full AI on a reporter. Listen, I'm, I'm not going forward today. I hope it's not me. Oh, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. But that'll make a hell of an episode. That'll make a hell of an episode. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I want to be there. Well, that's the thing. The first couple of times I went, you know, I'm the new guy who's off to the side who's not asking many questions because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who's like, hey, uh, Brett, can I get an update on Ben Simmons' back? And then I get that look. Is like, who, the, who the hell is this kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get this kid out of here, you know? So. Hey, man, listen. Hey, man, like I said, you missed 100% shots. You don't take yeah, you're right. You, you got to go for it. Touche. Touche. <laughs> yeah, so – um. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. It really is. And when you look at how many people are speaking about this, you got Ben Simmons talking about it. You got his brother slash agent who was mentioned. You got Brett Brown, his high school coach. Joel Embiid was also in the mix talking about how he needs to shoot and it will only help the team. You're right when you mentioned this is no secret. To think that nobody has told the kid to shoot, to think that Brett Brown's not telling him to shoot, 
it is what it is. It's on him. And he even says that, Ben Simmons himself. I feel like I want to take threes now, which is great, actually, to hear that, as opposed to being asked to force them up. It could be during the playoffs. I've prepped so much for it. When I do it, it will work. Me, Simmons says, it's up to me. Now, oh no! Oh, you're going to hell no! Hell no! Hell no! What? Hell no! Hell that no! What? That makes sense. That doesn't. What? Yo, what play? Okay, Jimmy Butler. As much shit as we give him, what did he say? He said we've been doing this all year, and my issue with Brett when I got the ball was it was in the playoffs. That is not a time to make adjustments. At the end of the day, the intensity that the NBA playoffs bring, that is not a time to start saying, hey, I want to do something different. Because number one, your teammates don't know what the hell you're doing. So now they're all out of sorts. And number two, you don't have the confidence. If he does, that's incredible. That's a hell of a skill. If he can just one day in the playoffs turn that on. But you're telling me after 82 games, you're going to say, no, I'm not doing it. And then with the intensity of the playoffs on the line, you'll start throwing up threes and that's going to work. Hell no. I didn't even see that quote. I'm pissed. I didn't. My fault. I didn't read it all the way through. My fault. I didn't do my homework. It was long. It was long. Well, no, it was long. I mean, there was there were so yeah. many sections involved in this yeah. article. So you really had to dive deep in. Yeah, that's some bullshit. No. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. Like, right. That's if, wild. if you're not going to do it on a Tuesday night against the Charlotte Hornets at seven o'clock, where there's seven people in the stands because no one cares about the Charlotte Hornets, you're going to yeah. tell me you're going to do it against the Boston Celtics in the first round of the playoffs, as if that was who we might be lined up against, or even another squad. That's when you're going to do it. Yeah. I, I find that hard to believe. I just love the "it's up to me" part of it because that that shows that he knows. Because that's my whole philosophy with these athletes, dude. It's on you. It's on yeah. you, but you're right in terms of, oh, oh it, it could be during the playoffs. Oh, dude, come on now. Oh, come on. If you're yeah. not going to be doing it on a Wednesday night against some crap team, you're telling me you're going to do it when TNT's broadcasting and the lights are on? Yeah, nah, man. It's a philosophy with a lot of good coaches. You can't trust them in practice with certain things. You can't trust them in the game with it. So if you're telling me, I can't trust you in practice with it, I can't trust you in the 82-game season, and I'm going to trust you in the playoffs, Come on. That's wild. Now you're going to feel wild. stupid if the NBA comes back and you got Ben Simmons going four for four in game one against the Boston Celtics. That is a problem. <laughs> I would love to be wrong about that. I would love someone to go off me and be like, look, I told you. Cool. Cool. If that's progress, that means that we're moving forward. But get the fuck out of here. That yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me thinking with the wrong head again. Uh, it happens too much. It happens too much. Now, then there's some other interesting things in here, too, though. Mm-hmm. Simmons attempted just two three-pointers. You know, those two beautiful three-pointers. He says that some people put so much emphasis on it. It's a little too much. It made me back check and say, let me focus on what I'm good at. There are things I do on the court where nobody can stop me when I'm putting up steals, assists, and scoring in the paint. And I don't disagree with him at all. You can only imagine. And here's the thing. It takes time. Kind of like how we related this to Giannis. But you can only imagine. Once there is a, a time where his game is so good at shooting that people have to respect it and literally defend him out by the perimeter, the scoring in the paint becomes easier. This, the the passing and the assists become easier and everything just becomes that much easier when it comes to driving because they actually have to respect the game from shooting distance. That's going to take some time, but think about how much more impactful he could be if someone has to actually come out and defend him. Hell yeah. 
I remember Kobe had this thing. I keep. I hate to keep. No, I. I, I think it's great comparisons because we he, want Ben Simmons to be. Uh, is he going to be LeBron, MJ, Kobe? I don't know. We talk about his structure and his skill set, mm-hmm. and it could possibly be there. But we talk about him as if he can be the guy that can help us win a championship and be the the cornerstone piece. Those players were those pieces for a reason. So relating him to those guys yeah. makes a ton of sense to me. On this episode of Detail, where Kobe breaks down film, they talked about Jason Tatum and him driving from the wing and the fact that his foot was pointed outward. You can't go anywhere without your feet. So if you have your feet, you know, more pointed in, you can get to the basket quicker. He had broke down Kyrie's game. He said Kyrie is Kyrie for three reasons. For three reasons. He can go left. He can go right. He can shoot. We all know Ben Simmons can go left. We all know he's very good with his right. If he can shoot, that makes him unguardable. Is he going to start getting in his bag like Kyrie and getting the pit pat? Hell no. Kyrie's 6'1", 6'2". You know, Ben Simmons is 6'10", 6'11". That makes you technically unguardable. If someone can go left and go right and shoot, what can you do with him? And that that's all we want, man. Just cut the shit. Either you're going to be the guy like Giannis. Listen, I'm going to take him and I'm going to make some and I'm going to miss some. And it's just going to be that. Or you're going to be the guy who he is now, which is I'm going to do everything else. Don't ask me to shoot and cool. But the idea of like, oh, I'm working towards it. If that doesn't show up, that's a problem. Can we agree, though, that it does seem like it's going in the right track? I, I know it, it. I know this sounds crazy to believe that it would just go from zero to a hundred. I'm not saying it's going to go that way, but it does seem like it might be going from zero to 65. And that seems odd because you're just skipping or zero to 55 or something like that. But as I kind of stated, we can see, even though it's not happening in games, we can see he is way more comfortable in shooting. So even if it's from, maybe those numbers are a little bit high. But what if we see 0 to 40? Do you think that that's possible with something that we're seeing? Because, you know, and to use the same joke again, but being serious about it with thinking with the wrong head and whatnot, I do believe, though, deep down that he is truly working on this. And I do feel like at some point you will see him shoot. Like, you will see him shoot. To what degree that is, how much, the percentage, I don't know. But I don't think he's going to be so so centered on not shooting for his entire career no i don't either and if he's working on it in silence then that's cool it's just it's articles like this that kind of make it a little bit harder to defend him the accountability you're being held accountable by an entire city quite frankly ben simmons starts shooting the nba is a different thing you know what i mean that kind of challenges what you expect from players like him you know what I mean? That kind of challenges what you expect from player development, quite frankly, in the NBA. That that really turns things around. He starts shooting. It's just articles like this that kind of make it harder to get in his corner with it. But if he's working on it and he has a plan and in the next year or so we start to see it, hell yeah. But we all know not every day is guaranteed. Why not do it now? I feel like a lot of the frustration with Embiid, and Embiid is, a, is loud about this. He's very vocal about Ben Simmons shooting threes and You hear other players talking about it as well. That was once in the Sixers organization and Brett Brown, him too. You can sense the frustration. And I think that is because he is doing it in Camden. He is doing it in the practice facility. He is doing it all the time. And it looks smooth. And and you saw it in the game where he knocked down two. It looked good. He is consistently doing it in front of them behind closed doors. So when when the lights are on in a regular season game and he's not doing it, it's like, what the hell, dude? And I think that is why Joel B gets so frustrated. Now, is that a positive or is that a negative? 
because he's doing it and they're seeing it, so that's good, but he's also not doing it. So uh, where, what is it? Is it a positive or a negative? It's a huge negative. You got to thank God for teammates and coaches like this. I mean, shit, man, you know this. If one of your teammates or your coaches see something from you and they demand it, it's a joke. It's a joke amongst coaches. Oh, you done messed up because now that I see that you can do that, if I see you do anything less, it's going to be a problem. So you you should be thankful for teammates and coaches like that, that, listen, I know you can do this. I know you're capable and I refuse to let you fall under it. And I think that's really what it is with Joel Embiid. Obviously, yeah, he's a professional ball buster. We all know that. Joel loves to joke around, but a guy who's saying, listen, I've seen you do it. I need you to do it so we can all be that much better. If that guy's the bad guy, then I don't know who the hell's the good guy. Well, there's a lot of fans and speculation that maybe Joel Embiid is saying this because he's frustrated with how he has to play because of Ben Simmons. Now, we know that Joel loves to pop the threes, and I think Embiid was also on record talking about how when he watches film, he watches these guards play. He loves watching James Harden and and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and it kind of relates to some of the stuff I see by him, to be honest with you. It's, he loves studying those players. Exactly, yeah, the Euro <laughs> steps, he loves it all. I'm not going to make it seem like ben, or like Joel Embiid doesn't want to play that way because I know he does deep down. But I wonder if he's so frustrated with certain areas of his game that has to change just because of Ben. So does he really want it for Ben or does he want it to help him or is it a little bit of both? I think it's okay for it to be a little bit of both. It's like having a good cause and making money off of it. All right. You know what I mean? I, I think he wants it for both. But hell yeah, because with him, if he gets off perimeter, he can really get inside. Let's be honest. The real low post score on the team is Joe Embiid. Ben Simmons, like he scores, he gets off his buckets in the low post. As far as to throw the ball in there and he's going to get you a bucket, Hakeem Olajuwon style, it's the next Hakeem Olajuwon, Joel Embiid. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's both. I think it's both. Now, I can't believe we, we haven't mentioned this yet. The Jordan documentary and, and talking about talking about Joel Embiid made me think about this. We're, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, so the, the episodes three and four are going to come out tonight. I thought the Jordan documentary was good, the first two episodes, but when we mentioned Joel Embiid and his skill set and what he's able to do and his footwork, and looking at some of these bums that played in that era at the big man position, it cracks me the hell up. Now, I, I, love, the, I love the physicality of oh, 90s basketball. God. It's all great. Some of those dudes were stiffs. They couldn't play, man. They were in there just to push people around. I'd rather take the athletic big men these days any day of the week. All right, all right. I'm going to just say this. I'm going to say this. At the end of the day, yes, they are bums in this game. But back then, they were efficient. You know, like those guys. Because in 20 years, somebody's going to look at a Not 20 years. Let's say 30 years. Somebody's going to look at a Joel Embiid. This guy played center? Right. Like, that was the, like the stuff the center's going to be doing. The yeah, game okay, well, guess what? Changes. If they say that about Embiid, then what the hell are they going to be saying about the guys in the 90s? Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be over. If they're going to talk about them, they talk about Bill Russell and him. It's just, it's, it's just how it goes. It progresses. It progresses. Every generation thinks they do it the best, and ain't nothing wrong with that. But I, I will agree. I'm taking Joe and beat over a lot of them. I thought you were going to describe, I mean, uh, compare his versatility to uh, to Scotty and, and his importance on that. Not saying that Ben Simmons is Jordan. I don't think either one of them is Jordan. Yeah, but no, it's not even his, close. His versatility and everything he brings to the table is is amazing. And it's funny because I, the reason I pointed like that when you brought it up, because I was going to try to bring it up, your guy is on tonight. Dennis M. F. and Rodman. Yeah. He is the, the, the focal point of this documentary. I can't wait because I think he is one of the most there. There's a player that could watch this and see this and say, 
I can be that guy and we can win the championship. Quite frankly, to me, I compare him to a Draymond Green. Not the flashiest. It's things that he brings to the table tangibly and intangibly. It's just so important. It's so important. So important. I, I can't wait to to see that. Oh man, to see him to see him in his prime stuff. I mean, listen, that was that was the end of the Bulls run, though. So it is a little different. But in in terms of what he brought to the table and that effort level, it's crazy. I I love it. I literally love it. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, when I play pickup with people who don't know me and I just go to the gym or even if it was at like LA Fitness or something, I'm like, yeah, I'll play, you know. People are stunned as if this kid is a douchebag. In a good way, though. Is he really doing this right now in a pickup game on five on five? It's crazy, man. I'm telling you, one time I woke, my nose was just gushing blood. But guess what? I saved that ball from going out of bounds. <laughs> you're the guy that's like alright I love to have him on my team if he's on the other side I hate him and that's what Dennis Robin was you would see him like tip balls up like to himself to get the rebound he would jump I remember he said one time he's like different between me and other guys I'll jump three times for one rebound and they only jump once he's just the definition of heart and hustle man like shit maybe we need a, a damn uh, <laughs> Dennis Robin you know what I mean maybe we need one of them type characters but I can't wait to see and Jordan gave him his props Jordan said he's one of the smartest players he's ever played with that's saying something. Absolutely. Now, I, I believe you tweeted something about if this doesn't if this doesn't show Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time or whatever. You you went, you went with one of those tweets. That's correct? a misquote. Okay. <laughs> Can you hit me with the tweet? All right. I said this might. I said this documentary might end the goat debate. Okay. Now this is my counterpoint to that, and I'm. I am on the record saying Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time because everyone. Is uh, he was the first, and he was a global star. Nowadays, you can be on TikTok and be a global star. The impact isn't the same thing. So, with that being said, because he was the first, and everyone loved him, and it's just different. So, uh, right now, until LeBron's career is over, I'll, I'll stay with MJ as the goat. We'll see what ends up happening. Michael Jordan, though, made this documentary. So to think that there would be anything in this documentary that would question his greatness or question if he's the GOAT, that that would be ridiculous. So, And also, if LeBron made a documentary about the Cleveland Cavaliers coming back from 3-1, we would all be in kickback, relax, saying, damn, this is unbelievable. Like The the point of the documentary is to make Michael Jordan look great, which is fine. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But you say that, you know, and you're not, I'm not saying this to come at you. This was a very popular opinion five seconds into the documentary by all the old heads ready to go to defend this guy. (laughs) I I think that's a little unfair because he made it. He has his fingerprints on it. And the idea of it is to make him look great. LeBron can do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, TJ McConnell could make a documentary that would make (laughs) him look great. (laughs) And it would be. Shout out (laughs) TJ McConnell. (laughs) Shout out TJ McConnell. But I think. Um, you're right. You're absolutely right, bro. This is his documentary. And you know it's his because when they introduced the Jerry Krause, um, when they had won the thing, somebody, if you listen to that clip closely, I think it was the first episode when they were uh, introducing them after that fifth championship, they audited his his uh, introduction is like, it's like some golf claps. Somebody in the studio definitely did that. That was the pettiest slash funniest shit I've ever seen. Now, how but, about this? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your point. I, I'm sorry. I texted you the other day, and I got to admit this. And I'm going to be honest with you. After watching that, after really looking at Jordan's career, if LeBron does get that fourth ring, I will have to admit he's the GOAT. Wow. I will have to admit he's the GOAT. One of the things that, you know, they have is 
them telling their stories on LeBron's show, one of the shows, and they were in the factory just watching uh, some stuff. He said, when we came back from that 3-1 against, we came uh, back against that 3-1 against the Warriors, he said, to me, that made me the best player of all time. And when I heard that, you can't argue with rings. You can't argue with rings. But if he gets four versus six and how many accolades he's going to have at the end of his career. I'm with you. I'm with you. See, I, I don't think it's fair to criticize him for losing in the finals, yet you don't criticize Michael Jordan for not getting to the finals in that specific year. You can't criticize a man for getting farther and losing. I think that is very faulty, and people yeah. do that because when he gets to the finals, that means he wins. That is yeah. very valuable. But you can't knock a man for going to the finals, being an underdog as well, and losing. I think he had yeah. some bad ones when, when they lost to the Mavericks. That was bad. He had some bad losses. I'm not saying he didn't. <laughs> But, you know, I think it's unfair to criticize a man for getting farther and losing and putting that yeah. in his finals record loss, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't fault him for that first championship. I mean, that first finals they went to when they played against the Spurs, and that was just a buzzsaw. They shouldn't have been there. That team will go down as a team that shouldn't have been there just like the 2001 76ers. You look at that team on paper, how the hell? You know what I mean? Against what you're going against, that's not fair. And then the last time he was in Cleveland, yeah, that's that's hard to argue with. That that 2011 one, those those losses in the finals with Miami, that's a that's a smudge on his record. But we're gonna see. And the beauty of it is, Bron still got more game. You know, he still right. got more game in him. So he led the league in assists as a point guard at 35 years old. Come on that's now, what I'm he come might, on he, now. He might he might get it. He now how about this it. though, Jerry Krause? You bring up Jerry Krause. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves more credit. See, this this shows me that he has fingerprints on the documentary. He didn't like Jerry Krause, and Jerry Krause was made out to be this evil person. Now, yeah. I'm not telling you he was a great guy. I think that there's some truth in what was said, absolutely. He constructed a team that was dominant, and he made some good trades, and he made some great draft picks. Now, he made some awful ones as well throughout his tenure, but what did he do? He assembled a great team. Now, Michael Jordan said that there would be no, you know, dominance without him, and yeah, um, skilled, dominant players win in the NBA. It's a player's league. I definitely agree with him on that, but now related to what Michael Jordan is doing as we speak, his team stinks. His team has done nothing, and he criticized this man for the job that he did, yet he stinks as a front office member. Stinks. <laughs> he's awful. Now, where's the competitive fire at now? It seems like he's just kicking back with this bad boy. This is a retirement thing. But, you know, for him to crush Jerry Krause and then be this shitty as a front office guy, shame on you, MJ. Shame on you. Yeah, yeah. And I love that they said in the beginning of it, they straight up said, listen, to give him his credit, he did his job. But it's about your legacy and the way that he let that in, the fact that it was just, I'm going to get Phil out of here regardless. The yeah, fact stuff that like that, that is, is bad. Uh, yeah, there's there's some was, bad in there. There's some yeah, bad in there. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the way that ended because you always wonder what if. But they did get back that next year and they didn't get it. They didn't make it happen. You know, Scotty wrote the four feet on his shoes and all that. And they got damn close, but they didn't make it happen. So Yeah, I was also a little, I'm not going to say, uh, I, when it came to Scottie Pippen and that last part where he sat out and he wanted the money and he didn't like his contract, I get players today will sit out and you see it in the NFL all the time. I'm better than this. My value is better than this. I'm not playing on this contract. And and that's how sports works these days, no doubt about it. But with his upbringing and how bad it was and he decided to sign that contract because he wanted the security to help his family and, and I respect the hell out of that. 
to come back at the end and do it, it's like, dude, you put yourself in that position. So I do get both sides because you see it today where if you think your value is better, then you do whatever you need to do to get paid, get your money. But okay. I, I, at the same time, dude, you knew your situation with, with the family and you took that paycheck to secure your family's needs and God bless you. I probably would have done the same exact thing if I was grew, growing up in that scenario. But he put himself in that position. So I don't know if I love the way that he was handling that weight. And that's just my personal opinion on it. Yeah, you. as a man, you got to listen, man. You put yourself in that situation. You signed that contract. I want to know who the hell that agent was. You know what I mean? Why he didn't go to bat for some better shit. But you put yourself in that situation. It's only so mad you can be. But I, I wasn't in that locker room. I don't know what was going on. I got a feeling that this documentary is even kind of holding some things back. You know what I mean? I'm going to be surprised they talk about Jordan's gambling uh, at some point. You know what I mean? You I would or you wouldn't be? I, I would be surprised if they actually address it. If they throw that out there and throw how wild he was out there and these stories you hear around the league, then that's going to be interesting. But I got I could imagine Scotty got to that point because it was just – it was thing after thing after thing. He got to a point, all right, enough. Well, uh, yeah, some of this stuff is – it's crazy. Do you believe when he was a rookie that he went in that room, saw all the cocaine and dipped out? Do you think he fucking snorted six lines? Because I think he was in there ripping ten lines and left. He's full of it. I'm telling you, I I look at this documentary, I feel different than everybody else. Because I look at it as Michael Jordan made this documentary. He's the one that has all this film, and he's the one directing the show. He can put out whatever he wants to put out. Oh, I didn't do that. Dude, you had fucking seven lines dripping out your nose by the end tonight you liar <laughs> no i see the tweet that had me crying about this. as soon as that went up they was like you don't know how many dads at home with their family yeah that's not what they called us that shit ain't real <laughs> like if you imagine if you knew your pop was on that team and when that line comes up the moment of <laughs> you <gotta> <laughs> he's, he's, his, his nose is just covered in white that is awesome. Well, what a perfect way to end it. Holy hell, that was phenomenal. Well, wow. I can't wait for tonight, though, really. I, it's going to oh, be yeah. awesome. This is It's weird because last week there was nothing to kind of get your juices going with sports, and it was just awesome. This weekend you had the NFL draft, so there's so much buzz going on right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different vibe to sit down and watch it, but I am super stoked for it. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. Like we said, the worm is on there, and it's – it's good to know that, you know, sports don't stop even when they have, so. Damn right. All right. Well, with that being said, thank you guys so much for watching episode six of Processed, and we will see you next time.